You pick up your Bible and wonder, is there more here than meets the eye? Is there something here for me? I mean, it's just words printed on paper, right? Well, it may look like just print on a page, but it's more than ink. Join us for the next half hour as we explore God's Word together, as we learn how to explore it on our own, as we ask God to meet us there in its pages. Welcome to More Than Ink. Coming into the Christmas season when everybody's thinking about giving, and that makes me think of the Grinch, whose heart was two sizes too small. Yeah, we should never give with that kind of motivation. Well, no. Today we're going to read in Exodus about people who gave with a willing heart. Which raises the question, what would cause them to give with such willing hearts? And we'll find out today on on More Than Ink. Well, good morning. This is More Than Ink, and I'm Dorothy. And I'm... Uh, Jim. And we are so glad you're here with us <laughs> to today. I don't know what that was about. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you have an identity crisis. And we have been reading through the book of Exodus. Yeah, and, we have. and last time we were together, we talked a whole lot about Moses' glowing face yeah. and how he covered it with covered that fading glow with a veil when he went to speak to the people but when he went in before the lord the veil was removed yes well we won't elaborate on that now but yeah i was wondering i don't think the glowing face comes back ever again in exodus does it or anywhere else i think i I think that's behind us Think so. I don't think I so think either. This well, is a singular event. We'll keep our eye out for it. That's uh, well, it's establishing a pattern, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. But in any case, any case, uh, we're moving ahead into the actual assembling of the congregation to hear the message that Moses comes down from the mountain with. Right. So remember, he comes back down the mountain with newly carved stone plates with the Ten Commandments on them, yeah. and we don't get the complete reiteration of the Ten Commandments, but we do get a distillation of them. We read that a couple weeks ago. Right. And right. here in chapter thirty-five. We we get even a more crystallized form when he just zeroes in on the Sabbath. Yeah. So, uh, well, and then and, a long list of work. <laughs> yeah, and if you remember, when Moses is up on the mountain with God, uh, there was a lot about the behavior of the nation of Israel laws right. and stuff like that. But it was also quite dominated with a very specific design agenda for the tabernacle, right. the place where they would meet with God. So I remember when he came down from the mountain the first time, back in chapter 31, uh, as he came down the mountain, God said, okay, let's build. You've got some special artisans who are going to help you out do that. By the way, don't don't disregard the Sabbath. And so, so there really is coming down the mountain both times is a charge from God about saying, you know, it's time to build that tabernacle. We talked about so much on top of the mountain. Okay, and actually they had talked about it at the very beginning of their journey into the wilderness. Yes. Clear back in chapter 25. Big deal. The Lord had told to Moses, kind of at the beginning of everything now, tell the sons of Israel to raise a contribution for me from every man whose heart moves him. This is mm-hmm. verse 2 of chapter 25. Right. And down a little, he lists all the materials and then he says in verse 8, and let them construct a sanctuary for me that I may dwell among them. Among them. That's, That's the, the point. whole point. That's the point. Let them give what they will to build a tent for me so I can dwell right in their midst among them. And that's what the issue had been up on the mountain the first time Mm -hmm. that when Moses went back up there after the golden calf, he says, God, don't don't leave us. Don't not go forward with us. Right. And so that's what really shook him. Yes. God, God had said he would be with them. And now he's saying, I'm not. 
So and that really the yeah. glowing face comes about when God reestablishes the covenant, shows Moses his own goodness and compassion and grace and glory. So we're back on. And where things are back on. That's right. So Moses is coming down the mountain, he gets the people together and says, Here's what the Lord has commanded so you to do. Here's what it's all about. You want to start reading? Much different scene from the golden calf scene from well, the first yeah. time. Which is really nice. So we're in chapter thirty five, and I'll start off in verse one. So Moses assembled all the congregation of the people of Israel and said to them, these are the things that the Lord has commanded you to do. Verse two, six days, six days uh, work shall be done, but on the seventh day you shall have a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. And whoever does any work on it shall be put to death. Hmm. You shall kindle no fire in all your dwelling places on the Sabbath day. So it's interesting. You know, he starts off with saying, you know, it's time to build the tabernacle. But wait a second before we get all work oriented. Don't forget the Sabbath. Yeah, just before the list of the work. Yeah. Uh, this is like going to number one on the list. Yes. Stop taking care of yourself. Exactly. And trust me to and take care me. of you. This yeah. is a holy thing. And, and and as I recall, on the first trip down from Sinai, as he's coming down, God says, it's time to build stuff, and I've given you a couple guys to help you do that. But again, the Sabbath was was in the air, even when he, at, mm-hmm. the last, oh, in fact, I think it was the last words in chapter 31, it's Moses coming down right. the mountain the first time, is don't forget the Sabbath. Don't forget the Sabbath. First words back out here, we've got work to do in the rest tabernacle, in but don't forget the Sabbath. Rest in me. Yeah, rest. So the, the best work for God comes out of rest in God. <laughs> We can talk about this a lot. The Sabbath is just a very big deal, and it's very countercultural, not only then, but now. Well, and I would say that that probably is central even to the gospel, right? Yes. Jesus yes. said, the words that I've spoken to you are spirit and are life. The flesh profits nothing. Yes, yes. Right, and we could <laughs> we could go on a lot about the Sabbath. I'm, one one of the things that's really ringing in my head is that uh, is that in a sense, in Christ, in the New Covenant, we live a Sabbath life right. all the time. And a Sabbath is for someone who's put their works to rest, who've stopped working. And uh, in the New Covenant, that's a strong theme. We've stopped working to try and impress God. We put our works down, and now we rest in what He's done for us. Rested in the accomplishment Yeah, so you could say that that seventh-day yeah. rest is something that we live every day. Well, we won't well, get into all Hebrews that stuff. that's what Hebrews says. That's right. Okay, right. let's, let's yeah. press well, on. Let's press on. So anyway, <laughs> we're, we're on the cusp of starting all the building, so don't forget about the Sabbath. But then it's it's interesting. We're not building just yet. We need to gather the people in the process of building. So I'll, Gather both the people and the materials. And the materials. And that's what makes this such a lovely passage. Yeah, yeah. So let's just read it. This is, this is uh, the involvement of the people. So verse 4, so Moses said to all the congregation of people of Israel, this is the thing that the Lord has commanded. Take from among you a contribution to the Lord. Whoever is of a generous heart, let him bring the Lord's contribution, gold, silver, bronze, Blue and purple and scarlet yarns, fine twined linen, goat's hair, tanned ramskins and goatskins, acacia wood, uh, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense, and onyx stones and stones for setting for the ephod and for the breastplate. So he starts off by saying, okay, let's do this together. We need to contribute. And this is a lot of stuff. Now, sometimes we have in our head that they came out of Egypt with only what they could carry. Well, they could carry, but they were carrying a lot because remember they had plundered the Egyptians. They had gotten anything they asked for from the Egyptians. So they had all of these beautiful, wealthy things. And God is saying, okay, now it's time. If your heart moves you, give it 
for the contribution that will build my tent. Yeah. Yeah, and, and a theme comes up through this whole section as he involves the people of Israel. You see it there in verse 5, whoever is of a generous heart. Mm-hmm. So everyone's not giving equally, right. um, and, and there's no compulsion here. Right. Either. So that's a really important thing. Which echoes what Paul says in the New Testament in 2 Corinthians 9 when he says, yeah. Let each one do just as he's purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion. God loves a cheerful giver. Yeah. So those who give because they want to see God's purposes go forward. Yeah. Yeah. And in secular world, we know that that phrase about, you know, a cheerful giver. We don't know where it comes yeah. from. That's where it comes from. But here it's echoed throughout this entire passage that God wants to involve his people in the making of this tabernacle, in the making of God's tent where they can meet with God. He wants to involve the people. And God could have just snapped his finger and said, Shazam, look, there it is. Or he could have commanded, give me X amount of this stuff, you, you, and you. Put yeah. a name on it. Yeah, yeah, right, right. But he but he deliberately, and we see this as it unfolds here in chapter 35, he deliberately wants to involve his people in the process of building a place for himself. And it seems to be that not everybody gave, but it does say those whose hearts, and it says it a bunch of different ways, generous hearts, whose hearts were stirred, whose hearts were willing, whose hearts were moved. So it's like in every possible way, they were nudged. Those who were nudged gave generously. Yeah, it's it's such a... (laughs) Such a contrast. You, you're going to think I'm crazy again. But you, you remember... Uh, often. <laughs> <laughs> you, I remember in church as a kid, they would do fundraising campaigns and they'd put one of those thermometers on the wall. Oh, I remember You know, that. as you get up yeah, to your goal yep. and stuff like that. There's nothing of that. It's not so coercive, but it's it's like a program well, thing to yeah. raise. And here, God's just saying, you know, whoever's heart is driven. That, yeah, that's it, what we're talking about. It was a little about. bit coercive. Yeah, but. okay. It was. <laughs> It was. This is so much not that. I think that's just a fascinating yeah. thing. This is just not that at all. So you have to presume that people's hearts have been changed uh, in such a way away from the golden calf incident, in such a way that yeah. they really want God's presence in their camp. They've sort of figured this out, and they willingly. Right. I, I counted four or five times that about it's the, it's the status of your heart that determines what you give. Right. Not a coercive, you know, fundraising thermometer on the wall. Yeah. Well, so we just listed a bunch of things, and you and they probably but, look familiar and, to you. And they're very luxurious things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The things that they left Egypt thinking, hey, we're rich. Yeah. Well, no, actually, they're going to go into the tabernacle. <laughs> <laughs> so let's read on. Let's pick it up in verse 10. Okay. And let every skillful craftsman among you come and make all that the Lord has commanded. The tabernacle, its tent and its coverings, its hooks and its frames, its bars, its pillars, its bases, the ark with its poles, the mercy seat and the veil of the screen, the temple with its poles and all its, the table with its the poles table, and yeah. all its utensils and the bread of the prayer. The lampstand also for the light with its utensils and its lamps and the oil for the light and the altar of incense with its poles and the anointing oil and the fragrant incense and the screen for the door at the door of the tabernacle, the altar of burnt offering with its grating of bronze, its poles and all its utensils, the basin and its stand, the hanging of the court, its pillars and its bases and the screen for the gate of the court, the pegs of the tabernacle and the pegs of the court and their cords, and finely worked garments 
garments for ministering in the holy place, the holy garments for Aaron the priest, and the garments for his sons for their service as priests. Wow. This stuff sounds pretty familiar. Well, it is. We've seen this list <laughs> We've before. We've been seeing this. But what I'm thinking of is he asks for the skillful craftsmen skillful to come craftsmen. and look at the range of skills required. Yeah, yeah, we really. We have metalworking. We have weaving. We have jewelers. We have perfumers. Carpentry. We have carpenters. Yeah. We have uh, working in all kinds of different materials. Well, we got we got oil, and uh, we got the fragrance for you know the incense. Yeah, those perfumers. I mean, yeah, there's a there's a lot of stuff right here. So in involving the nation of Israel, he he's saying in verse ten, let every skillful or every gifted mm-hmm. artisan is what some translations say. Every skillful craftsman contribute not just the things we talked about just before here about gold and bronze and linen and stuff like that, but you need to contribute your efforts as a skillful, as a gifted by God. Mm-hmm. craftsmen in all of this stuff and we were given the names of those guys who were going to head up those that work oh, yeah. earlier in the book that's all ale and uh Aholia, oh, yeah. yeah yeah so yeah they're going to be they're going to be kind of like the foreman of all of this mm-hmm. but they're just the foreman they're not right. doing all the work and there's there's some great theology here about how god uh god wants to involve us in a place of his presence among us and he wants to involve us in that process and in a way in in our contribution of not only our our materials but in our efforts and our skills we worship him and say we welcome you here and in the tremendous variety of not just our materials yes. but our skills yes and we're going to coming up here we're going to get specific mention of the women's skills yeah so they were not out of the picture no oh yeah no way no way and it's also um, not the the holy the holy religious people. Let's put it that way. It's, it's everybody, right? It's everybody. It's the whole congregation. Yeah. So there, there we just looked at the calling of the skillful craftsmen. So he involves the nation not only through the materials they contribute, if their hearts are generous, but also if their hearts are generous through their skills. So here's the stuff we need, and here's the skills required, exactly. and here's the list of what we're going to make. And here's the list of what we're going to make, which, <laughs> which ended in verse 19. Here's the stuff. Remember, all this stuff is what we're going to do. Yeah. Well, let me pick it up in 20. Well, then then all the congregation of the people of Israel departed from the presence of Moses, and they came, everyone, here's one of those, everyone whose heart Heart stirred him. him. Isn't that a great phrase? Everyone whose heart stirred him, and everyone whose spirit was moved him, him, Mm -hmm. moved him. And they brought the Lord's contribution to the used to be used for the tent of meeting and for all its service and for the holy garments. And so they came, both men and women, all who were a, here's another, a willing heart. They brought brooches and earrings and signet rings and armlets, all sorts of gold objects. Every man dedicating an offering of gold to the Lord. And everyone who possessed blue or purple or scarlet yarns or fine linen or goat's hair or tanned ram skins or goat skins brought them. Everyone who could make a contribution of silver or bronze brought it as the Lord's contribution. And everyone who possessed acacia wood of any use in the work brought it. And every skillful woman spun with her hands. And they all brought what they had spun in blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twine linen. And all the women whose hearts stirred them, whose hearts stirred mm. them to use their skill, spun the goat's hair. And the leaders brought onyx stones and stones to be set for the ephod and for the breastplate, breastpiece. And spices and oil for the light and for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense and all the men and women, the people of Israel, whose heart moved them to bring anything 
for the work that the Lord had commanded by Moses to be done, brought it as a free will offering to the Lord. That is so beautiful. What great involvement and what willing involvement. And it does say everybody. Everybody who had something to give gave it. It doesn't say how much or how little. Yes, yes. So I just counted up while you were reading seven times. Uh, There's a reference to the Lord's contribution or an offering. Yeah, or an offering. And And the people's heart attitudes, all those whose heart moved them. Everyone whose heart stirred them, everyone yeah. whose spirit moved them. Yeah, that's a, a willing heart. Yeah. yeah. You know what really Straight. struck me is they came, they came, they came. They brought, they brought, they brought yeah. because their hearts moved them. Yep. Right? That is so important to us understand about participating in the work of God. Do we come to God and bring everything that we have? Because everything that we have is a gift from Him in the first right, place. Right. Because our hearts are moved by the greatness of the presence of our God in our midst. Yeah, are you are, is your heart motivated to welcome God into the into the midst of mm. where you are and are you willing to contribute your riches as well as your skills, which are gifts to start with from him to see that happen. Right. And that's what's right. really being that's what's being transacted right here. We want God in our midst and we will do these things because we're so enthusiastic that that's exactly what God will do. He'll be in our midst. And the list of stuff that they brought, of course, is amazing, but what Mm -hmm. struck me on this reading was those who were of a willing heart brought brooches and earrings and signet rings and armlets. Ah. So that, those are adornments, personal adornments. He said, I don't need to make my, wear these beautiful earrings. I can melt them down and give them to the work of the Lord. Yeah. That's amazing to you me. Know, There's a very personal right. gift. Yeah. So so now speaking from a man's perspective, I can't I can't quite tell you how costly this is, but how costly is this to a woman to give those things up? Well, it could be very costly, but if you remember Not just in the price, but I mean back when they when they made the molten calf, mm-hmm. they literally took the earrings out of their ears yes, and yes, yes. gave them for that. So this is the stuff that they hadn't already given. Yeah, because that that gold for the calf is gone. But yes, for for a woman, very often gold jewelry that she has has been a gift Mm -hmm. from her husband or from someone else who loves her, and so to give that, I think is a and a a beautifying issue, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, so this isn't just expensive jewelry. This is something that actually contributes to their beauty. You know, and they're giving that up in order to have God be in their presence. The, the sacrifice here is just really quite poignant, I think, in so many ways, including just the skills, contributing your work and your skills, mm-hmm. what you know how to do. And, uh, and you know, you would expect from a larger picture as they leave Egypt and they're going to the promised land that they would put all their efforts, all their all their ambitions and efforts from that point of getting to the land and building their cities, building their homes, building, building, building. And here, not being in that promised land, they're putting all of their initiative into inviting and welcoming God into their presence. Okay, that raises an interesting question, because if they had gone directly from Egypt up by mm-hmm. the, the coastal road, straight up the short, into the land the of promise, road. they would have been there in, I don't know, a few days, a couple of weeks at most. Yeah. Whereas we, they don't know at this point that they're going to be down here at Sinai and wandering <laughs> around in this peninsula for a generation, it's be longer than a for few 40 weeks. years. Yeah. But yeah, they are, the stuff that they had brought out 
they were intending to carry into the new land to right, build their homes right. and make civilization happen right. there for them. To kind of feather their own nests. But here they are giving it so that God yeah. will be in their midst here yeah. in the wilderness. And and the theme even in the promised land when they get there is it's not the promised land that's the great benefit to the nation of Israel. It's, it's the God's pre- presence. God's presence. Yeah. <laughs> and here we're getting that lesson right here in the desert. God's presence is worth everything we own and who we are. We want that's the, the real wealth. Right. And so when, when you finally do get in the promised land after Joshua, it turns out where they where they go bad is when they start thinking that, well, we've got our place here. We've got our, right. we've got our address on our street here. We've got our house that we didn't build. Some other people built it. We got mm-hmm. these vineyards we didn't plant, but we have these. So we're, we're set to go, you know. And it's, it's in the Christian vernacular, it's like saying, I finally arrived at the streets of gold. I'm in the best place to live possible. But if God's not there, this is all for naught. And so in the end, what God says to kind of wake them up to this, you know, when they're in that position is he, he pushes them out of the land and says, the land wasn't really the issue. The, the issue was a place where you can dwell with me. Mm-hmm. And here they learn that lesson right here in the sands of the desert right here. Are you willing to contribute all that you have and all that you are into celebrating and welcoming the presence of God in your day-to-day life. Making a place Making in a your place. midst yes. for him. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So that's what they're doing here. And they're all engaged in this. They're all engaged in this. Well, you know, in these last couple of minutes, this made me think a lot about the mentions in the New Testament, especially that Paul makes about the body of Christ, mm-hmm. about the 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 multiple, the, the multi-varied contributions from the body of oh, Christ, the variety of gifts, the variety, yeah, and 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 even I mean, you read from Second Corinthians about the cheerful giver stuff, but I mean, more than that, there's a there is actually a spreading of gifts among the body of Christ, right. and here we have the skillful people, including the women, uh, everybody. Who, who contribute in such a way in the New Testament that Paul, I think, makes a connection to this. He sees the connection of a, of a group of people who have been redeemed by God because Egypt was you know enslaving them, so they were literally redeemed by God, Israel was. But we've been redeemed by God too. Christ, you know, from our sins. And so he sees this, he sees this parallel between the busy and enthusiastic and willing hearts of those who've been redeemed by Christ and how they form a new body. In fact, mm. indeed, a new house mm-hmm. uh, that celebrates and welcomes the presence of God. A dwelling place of God a dwelling in the Spirit, place of God. he says a couple yeah. of times in different ways. I see ways. a direct connection here. Well, so I have in front of me so Ephesians 4, there and he go. says, uh, this is Ephesians 4, 7, to each one of us, and he's talking about the, our unity in the Spirit, to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift, right? So there's our yes. gifts measured out to each one, each one and of then us. later in the chapter, he lists the gifts, but he says, and for the equipping of the saints for the work of service, building up of the body of Christ. Now listen where he's going. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, Mm. to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Yes. So in other words, we we are utilizing our gifts to grow the whole body up to maturity, to be all that we were intended to be in Christ. Yes. So this is the this is the new covenant version of these people that are celebrating God's presence, mm-hmm. giving yeah. their contribution, giving what they have. Yeah, and I I looked a little later in Ephesians four. He says we're supposed to grow up into Christ, right? From whom the whole body joined right. and held together by every joint with which it's equipped, when each part is working properly, mm-hmm. makes the body grow so that it builds itself 
up in love. In love. So yeah, th- there love you that. see this picture. And then later, uh, actually earlier in earlier. Ephesians, in two, he talks about the fact that uh, that in Christ, uh, in him, you also are being built together into a dwelling a holy place. holy temple, he says. Yeah, a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So there's that tabernacle again. But it turns out in this twist from Paul's perspective, we are that Dwelling yeah. Place. Okay. Well, it's not a twist. It's a it's a yes. a development, right? Because here we get the tabernacle in the wilderness, which is a movable tent. Yeah. Then when they enter the land of promise, they're going to build an actual stone temple a that's attached house. to the ground, a permanent house, yeah. which yeah. then after the cross gets leveled. God allows it to level, yes. never to it's be built gone. again. Mm-hmm. Because now, because of the accomplished work of Christ, the Holy Spirit has come to indwell his people and his believing people become the dwelling place they of God the and the Spirit. Place. We become the temple of God. Yeah. And so he's yeah. very literally in our midst, in the midst of each one of us by his yeah. indwelling spirit, but in the midst of his corporate body, which is built together yeah. into a dwelling place of God in the spirit. So this, it's this amazing. Is, this is not an accidental connection no. here. Here we have in Exodus 35, the people of Israel with willing hearts contributing to the presence of God and the building of his dwelling place. And in, in the New Testament, midst. in the New Covenant, here we are enthusiastically by willing hearts not just contributing to the presence of god but god says i'm going to be in you you will be my tabernacle whoa upside down and crazy but that's just very cool that's what this message is meant to tell us in exodus is that god not only wants to live with us he wants to live in the house that we corporately together make in all of our believing hearts and peter says we're being built like living stones like living into a house this imagery when you track that movement of from that movable tent in the wilderness through the the stuck to the ground temple through the huge expansion of the the spiritual reality of we believers becoming the dwelling place of god in the spirit then it becomes this very complete picture of what happened in christ oh yeah you can draw you can draw insights in this just by sitting and it's thinking so about it. It's so beautiful. Yeah, it's really great. Well, we, we already talked about the fact that the specifications for the tabernacle and the stuff inside all have spiritual connections. Okay. And, and they connect back to this bigger picture that we're talking about, that we have become that dwelling place of God. Well, and the writer of Hebrews says, now, what you built on the ground is just a picture of the greater spiritual reality. Yes. And we have some descriptions of that greater spiritual reality in Revelation. Yes. So this is a developing picture that has begun here in the wilderness. God's intention with the creation of man is that he might dwell among us. Dwell in our And he's making it happen through Christ. Well, next time we're going to come back to those two specialists, these guys, Betzalel and Aholiav, they're going to get in charge of being the foreman of the actual construction of the tabernacle. I'm so excited. And uh, they're going to be given their uh, their their building papers next week. <laughs> their and, blueprints. <laughs> and the people of Israel are going to enthusiastically and willingly join them in contributing not only their things, but their skills to see it happen. So come back next week as we start that, as we return here on More, More Than, Than Inc. Inc. Than Inc. is a production of Main Street Church of Brigham City and is solely responsible for its content. To contact us with your questions or comments, just go to our website, morethaninc.org. Never quite too sure, are we? (laughs) 